Let's now turn to the Gospel of Luke. We are in Luke chapter 12. I'll be reading verse 49 through 59. And let's go to the Lord in prayer, asking for His blessing upon His Word as we consider it this morning from the Gospel of Luke. Father, we thank You that You have given us Your Word. And as we come to it, I pray that You will give us understanding. Lord, give us Your Spirit that we might properly see uh, and understand. Lord, unstop our deaf ears that we might uh, hear of Him crucified for sinners. That You would humble our hardened hearts. That we might repent and rest upon Jesus. Lord, we thank You for speaking Help us to hear this morning and receive it. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. People of God, hear God's word this morning from the gospel of Luke chapter 12, beginning in verse 49. I came to cast fire on the earth, and would that it were already kindled. I have a baptism to be baptized with, and how great is my distress until it is accomplished. Do you think that I have come to give peace on earth? No. I tell you, but rather division. For from now on in one house, there will be five divided, three against two and two against three. They will be divided, father against son, son against father, mother against daughter and daughter against mother, and mother-in-law against her daughter-in-law and daughter-in-law against mother-in-law. He also said to the crowds, when you see a cloud rising in the west, You say at once, a shower is coming. And so it happens. And when you see the south wind blowing, you say, there will be a scorching heat. And that happens. You hypocrites. You know how to interpret the appearance of the earth and sky, but you do not know how to interpret the present time. And why do you you not judge for yourselves what is right? As you go with your accuser before the magistrate, Make an effort to settle with him on the way, lest he drag you to the judge, and the judge hand you over to the officer, and the officer put you in prison. I tell you, you will never get out until you have paid the very last penny. He who has ears, let him hear the word of God. Please be seated. Well, it is Christmas season, as many of you know. And one of the best parts about Christmas season is Christmas movies. And you all have your favorite Christmas movie you enjoy watching, whatever it is, time and year after year. And one of my favorite movies is the Charlie Brown Christmas movie. And one of, it's the reason why it's one of my favorites, maybe Elf, I don't know, that's pretty good too. But why I like Charlie Brown's Christmas is because in that movie, he actually talks about the true meaning of Christmas. Why did Jesus come to the earth? Do you remember that part where Charlie Brown, he gets frustrated and he shouts out, well, can't anyone tell me what Christmas is all about? Do you remember that part? And do you remember uh, Linus? He drops his security blanket, very powerful. And then he quotes from Luke. And can you imagine if Linus quoted this part in Luke? And he said, well, Charlie Brown, Jesus said he came to cast fire on the earth. Do you not think that I've come to give peace on earth? No, I tell you, but rather division. Well, that would be a different feel to the movie, wouldn't it? 
Uh, Linus quotes another part in Luke, Luke chapter 2, and suddenly there was with the angels a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest on earth, peace, goodwill towards men. And that's often why we think about what Jesus came to do and what Jesus is doing here on earth. So what is Jesus talking about in our text? Uh, it is a quite shocking statement that Jesus makes here. How many of you, if asked why Jesus came to the earth, would say anything along the lines of what Jesus says here? I'd probably, none of us. Uh, It is a shocking statement. There are other places where Jesus tells us explicitly why he came. We can look at John chapter 10, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. John 18, 37, in fact, the reason I was born and came into the world is to testify to the truth. Uh, Mark ten forty five. for even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And here Jesus also gives us an explicit reason for why he came, what Christmas is all about. So let's take a look here and what I want us to see that in one sense, in one real true sense, Jesus did come to bring separation. And we should have every indication that that was the case. But he also brings reconciliation or justification. So there are your three points. Separation, indication, reconciliation. You can also throw justification because that kind of rhymes as well. So there you go. First, separation. Let me just start by saying, if you haven't been uncomfortable in Luke chapter 12, it's probably because you haven't been listening or just not even thinking about anything that Jesus is saying. Because listen to what Jesus has said so far just in this chapter. Don't be hypocrites. Stop fearing man. Confess Christ. Don't be covetous. Be ready. Steward well. Live for then, not for now. And then the chapter ends with fire and an urgent plea to find safety in Christ before it is too late. It is a difficult chapter. Verse 1, or um, in verse 49, it says, I came to cast fire on the earth. And I think this is where we start where do we begin? And the first question is, what does Jesus mean by this? What, what kind of fire is he talking about? What does this statement mean? And typically, if we track kind of fire imagery throughout the scripture, it usually has a sense of judgment in view. I think what Jesus says here is actually similar in even seeking to fulfill what John the Baptist said about Jesus back in Luke chapter 3 where John says, I baptize you with water, but he who is mightier than I is coming, the strap of whose sandal I am not worthy to untie. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand to clear the threshing floor and to gather the wheat into his barn, but the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. Jesus is talking about fulfilling that statement. Jesus is reminding us, as Hebrews 12 says, God is, in fact, a consuming 
fire. God burns with a pure and powerful flame. God's fire works by consuming all that is not righteous, consuming all that is not holy, consuming all that is not good. And for some, this is destruction. Some will stand before God as a wax figurine and he will be a blast furnace. But for others, this fire will purify. But this is a very striking reality and reminder that God will not save everyone. In fact, even all of us here, there is a very good chance that some of you will not believe and do not believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. And fire is what waits. It is sobering. It is serious, eternally serious. Revelation chapter 21 says, their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. And what Jesus says here, and all that Jesus does, his whole life, is to give glory and honor to the Father. And God will be honored, and he will be glorified, even by the destruction of the wicked. Even as Romans chapter 9 says, that Jacob I loved, Esau I hated. He has made some for, as vessels of mercy, and others for vessels of wrath. And we actually pray that when we say, your kingdom come. We are praying that God come in his fullness, that his kingdom be established now, that all evil and unholiness and all righteousness would be put to an end. I think this statement strikes us maybe awkwardly, maybe makes us bristle a little bit because I don't think we often like to think about the justice of and holiness of God. We often want to think about God's love, which he is love. But as we have said before, there is one characteristic in all of Scripture that God is called three times, and that is holy. Holy, holy, holy. God is never called love, 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 though he is love. Mercy, 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 though he is merciful. But again, three times, we are told that God is holy. Uh, R.C. Sproul, again, little plug for our little resource table, has a book, The Holiness of God. And he talks about that picture in Isaiah chapter 6 where you have uh, created angels who are sinless, yet they are not holy enough to be in the presence of a holy God. They have to cover themselves with their wings, their face, and their feet. They cannot even stand in the presence of God, and there will be no unholiness in the presence of God. He will consume it all. Unless you are holy, you will be condemned, and we are not. We have more in common with people like Hitler and Stalin and terrorists than we have anything like God. And almost everything we know about hell comes out of the mouth of Jesus because maybe we would have a hard time believing it if it came from any, anybody else, but this is the truth that Jesus Christ himself says. In chapter 13, we'll get there here shortly. 
He says, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it, how often would I have gathered you uh, like children as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, and you are not willing. Jesus then goes on to say this about fire, that it was already kindled. I have a baptism to be baptized with, and how great is my distress until it is accomplished. So the second question here in this first point, what is the baptism that Jesus is going to be baptized with? Is it the Jordan? No, he's already done that. He's already been baptized by John. He's going to be baptized with judgment. He's going to be baptized with the waves of hell crashing over him and the curse consuming him. And I don't think that Jesus is asking at this time that the final destruction happen right here and right now. I think he's asking to complete the ministry he has been sent to perform. Jesus has a burning desire to fulfill his mission. Uh, Luke 9, as we looked, about, uh, looked a few weeks ago, it, Jesus had set his face toward Jerusalem, uh, that there is nothing that is going to deter him. And here in this text, it's almost as Jesus is saying, let's, let's pick up the pace, let's go, let's, let's, let's get it done. There's a sense of urgency. Uh, if, have you ever taken, your, you know, you've been studying for a test and you just have put so much time into the test, and there's a sense of like, I just want to get it over with. Let's just take the test. Let's just get it done. And especially some of you college students who finals or whatever, let's get it done. And that's what Jesus is saying here. Let's go. Let's, let's get it done. Let's go. Even though my baptism includes suffering, wounds, agony, blood, and even death, yet none of these things were moving Jesus whatsoever as he's making his way to the cross. He was willing to endure all things, even eternal, or even, even God's wrath for the eternal redemption of his people. He was ready to cry out, it is finished. And Jesus does bring peace. Is that a contradiction? You know, I purposely picked Hark the Herald Angels Sing because it talks about the angels crying out peace. So the angels say he brings peace, but Jesus says, I don't bring peace. Well, is this just one of those contradictions in the Bible that everyone talks about? No, of course not. He brings peace in one sense, but he brings separation in another sense. The one sense that he does bring peace is a peace with God. Uh, He is the peacemaker with God. He is the one mediator between God and man. Uh, There is peace with God in Christ. In that sense, Jesus brings peace. But in verse 51, he brings division in another sense, and that is within people. So, uh, do you not think that I have come to give peace on earth? No, I tell you, but rather division. Most people in Jesus' day thought he was coming to establish an earthly reign, you know, that he would uh, be the king over a physical Jerusalem, and and all the nations would come together and be at peace. But Jesus is reminding us that all of humanity is, in fact, divided by Jesus. And we see that. Who is Jesus? That's the greatest question that one can ask and answer. Uh, What do you do with Jesus? There is no neutrality with Jesus. You are either uh, for him or against Jesus. His coming will, in fact, divide families, uh, as he says here. And it's also uh, a quote from Micah chapter 7. 
For the son treats the father with contempt. The daughter rises up against her mother, the daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. A man's enemies are the men of his own house. That we should not expect universal peace and harmony whenever the gospel is preached. That there will be division. The spirit and the flesh will, will never get along. Uh, the, does light and darkness, what, what union do they have together? They don't. All religions are not the same. The remedy for peace, even world peace, is available. That is in Jesus, but it is not only rejected, it is hated. If you look at Psalm 2, there seems to be one thing that, that gives unity to the entire world. You can look at it. There's one thing, one cause, that the world just seems to, in unity, gather together, and it is hatred for Jesus Christ. It is hatred for the Son of God as He sits on His throne. And they said, let us cast His cords from us, let us break free from Him. But he who sits in the heavens, he laughs. You see, Jesus and his truth and the gospel, it divides. Just last week, if you can imagine, I was running. I know it's difficult. But I forgot my headphones. And often when I exercise, I, I like to listen to a sermon. But I remember as I was running around the track and there was a number of other people there, I started to feel a little withdrawn because I was listening to a sermon that was talking about hell. And I began to think, what are people thinking as they hear me run past them at lightning speed? It was so fast. They probably can't even hear it. It's like, what? No, that wasn't the case. But they are hearing a, a sermon being blasted out. And no doubt I got funny looks, maybe because, you know, they're annoyed I don't have headphones, but we're outside, whatever. But I think it was more so that they're hearing a sermon proclaimed to them about Christ. And people hate Christ. They hate God. That's what the Bible says. Knowing Christ is not going to make your life easier. It's not going to even make your relationships better with your family. In fact, it says relationships might be hurt because of your commitment to Christ. And some of that, some of that is true for some of you. Because of your commitment to Christ, it has, has given strain to your family. But Christ uh, claims your life. And that will bring conflict on others who think that they claim your life first. And even that was the case with Jesus. Do you remember Jesus was at the temple and he said, I must be about my father. This is my purpose. This is what I'm, I'm here to do. And Mary and Joseph, they didn't quite understand it at the time. But they should have. And so should we. And so should, so should they who Jesus was talking to, that they should have had every indication that this is the case in verses 54 through 56. He also said to the crowds, when you see a cloud rising in the west, you say at once a shower is coming, and so it happens. And when you see the south wind blowing, you say there will be a scorching heat, and it happens. You hypocrites, you know how to interpret the appearance of the earth and sky, but why do you not know how to interpret the present time? Everybody knew how to interpret the weather, right? And we can do this too. We can go outside, we can look at the sky, looks like, looks like it might rain. Or probably here in Florida, you go outside, you know, it's going to be hot and humid, I pretty sure about that today in Florida. But anyway, we, we've gotten pretty good at being able to tell the weather. Look how 
easily, we can look, we can interpret it. But what Jesus is saying, you should be able to see what's happening here with me and in our text. Look, he's been born of a virgin. He's been casting out demons. He has cleansed the lepers. Uh, he's healed paralytics. He's multiplied food. He has calmed storms. He has brought people back from the dead. And you hear him claim and say he is the son of God. You hear his message of being the Messiah, the one that we've been waiting for. Can't you see that he is who he says he is? Can't you see he is the one that brings salvation? Can't you see by what he says and he does that he is your only escape of judgment? And that's Luke's whole point to his gospel. That's why he's writing the whole thing. That Theophilus, Behaven, can you not see who he is? It should be so clear by now, just as cl even clearer than going outside and thinking it's a hot, humid day in Florida. I see it. It should be so clear to us that He is the Savior of men. He is the Redeemer of man. But rather, Jesus is saying something along the lines of, you know, I, I grew up in New Jersey, and some of you are from places where it actually snows. And I remember some days where you wake up and there's so much snow that uh, you can't even push your front door open, right? It's like feet high. And imagine you peel the windows apart, you see all the snow, the car's covered, and you say, honey, I'm not sure is it cold outside. You think it's cold? Uh, you know, I wish there was another sign. Somehow, how can I know if it's cold out there or not? And that's what Jesus is saying. It's how, how ridiculous. Can, can you not see? It is so clear. Now, if Jesus is telling them how they should see, how certainly should we be able to see? We have the Gospels. Uh, we have an explanation from Jesus. We have the resurrection and the ascension that they did not yet even have. But if Jesus is saying, shouldn't you see who I am and what I've come to do? How much more should we? So don't blind yourself. Don't refuse to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. And now reconciliation and why do you not judge for yourselves what is right? As you go with your accuser before the magistrate, make an effort to settle with him on the way, lest he drag you to the judge, and the judge hand you over to the officer, and the officer put you in prison. I tell you, you will never get out until you have paid the very last penny. Again, chapter 12 ends with this reminder that Jesus is coming. That's what we looked at last week, too. And it's another reminder. He is coming. Judgment is coming. Or even this very day your soul might be demanded from you like the rich young fool. In fact, uh, this is all of Luke chapter 12 is really guiding us to this point is what do you do with Jesus? It's a reminder we are a guilty sinner and sinners will be placed in hell until they pay the very last of their debt. How will you pay a debt? What righteousness do you have? What holiness do you have to ever pay to your debt? Nothing. So therefore, you will never be able to pay a single penny to your righteousness, and therefore, you will be in eternity uh, in hell. So what are you going to do? You are a debtor unable to pay any of your debt, and there is but one thing a guilty sinner can do, 
that is turned to Jesus, who is the Redeemer, who suffered the baptism of fire and judgment and is able to pay off your debt in full. Peace with God is the principal thing that the gospel of Christ offers us. How do we start our service? Grace to you and peace, right? How do we end our service? We end it with peace. And this is a reminder, this is the most important thing that you can have right now, is peace with God. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law being made a curse for us. He says in John chapter 5, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes me, uh, believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. And what Jesus is calling you to is to settle your accounts with God before a requirement is paid from you. You will either embrace Jesus now and be forgiven and pardoned, or you will reject him, you will ignore him, you will not listen to anything I have said. At least listen to what the Bible says. I know I can drag on and I can be boring, but do not miss this point. Repent or perish. And that's exactly what Jesus will say in the text next week. This is your chance to not be dragged by the officer, to be put in prison, which is all pointing to hell. Embrace Jesus. All of us are on the way to the presence of the judge. All of you. All of you will stand before the judge. And you will either be given the kingdom, as Jesus just said, it is the Father's delight to give you the kingdom, or you're going to be damned. Have you settled your accounts with God? Have you made your things right with God? That is what Jesus is calling us to do. Be ready. He is coming. Your soul is going to be demanded from you. Your only hope is in Christ and in Him alone. Let's pray. Father, we, we thank You for Your Word. Lord, this is a challenging text in many ways. Challenging to wrestle and understand what Jesus is saying here, but Lord, also a, a challenge because it, it, it pushes so hard against our flesh. Lord, I do pray that you will help us to see our true condition as sinners, guilty sinners, but Lord, I pray that you will help us to see Jesus Christ the Savior of men who took our curse, who was baptized with the baptism of, of curse and fire, that we who put our faith in Him do not have to suffer that, but we get life and peace with You. Lord, I also pray for those of us, especially around the holiday season, who uh, our faith in Christ creates tension. Lord, help us to be winsome. Help us to be faithful in those situations. Lord, ultimately, make, help us to make sure that we are right with you this day in Christ. And it's in his name we pray. Amen.